So welcome everybody to the huddle. It is week three and we're changing things up this week too, where I'm bringing my Vino to week three because it oh, is. I didn't, I didn't know it was that. Wait, well, wait a minute. Okay. <laughs> All of our guests who are in here right now, please feel free to get a drink because it is that time. I don't have, I don't have any vino, but I've got some water. I was afraid to have my water in the nope. shot, but if you guys pull out wine, you know. Anything that's keeping you hydrated, you should, you should have right now. So, but okay, my fault, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> All of our attendees tonight, we're super excited. Uh, I see f some familiar names, so thank you to everybody who's been supporting. Um, but for those of you who are new, if you didn't hear, um, Paul and myself, we are the hosts, and we were really excited about bringing together a digital community that um, brought the basketball world together. We all see content, you know, flourishing across our timelines each day, but it's hard now with social distancing to bring the right people to come together and just chop it up, but also provide some education. So this week is one that we're very excited about because we are talking all things sneakers. I love sneakers. I've got some of my favorites here, the shadows, my absolute oh, favorite. Nice. Favorites. Um, but again, it's something that working on the content creation side of the business, um, I just call myself a sneakerhead, but I don't think I really am. I don't know as much about this side of the business, nor am I sure all of our audience does. So we really want to just dive into sneaker culture, how it correlates to basketball. Um, we're going to start with some current hot topics and open it up for questions. So are you guys ready all to right. meet our guests? Um, yeah. We've got... Buck Slade and Wells Peavy are two of the biggest sneaker influencers and heads that I know. So let's get into it. Um, we're starting with something similar to what you do with Hard Pass, where we want to obviously start with some hot topics that are going on. And we can okay. kind of chop it up about that. So we would be remiss to not start again with just doing a little check-in on the last dance. Like, what do we think about episodes three and four? I could have had Dennis Rodman content all day. So what are your <laughs> thoughts on... Uh, the episodes and where you think we're going with this? Um, I can jump in. Uh, I, I love the way they portrayed Rodman. Um, I just, I thought it was just, it was just like perfect to a T. I felt, it felt like very honest um, with the way that it, it felt honest without being like flamboyant about Rodman. And like Rodman's, they could have like went really crazy with like the Rodman storyline. And I think the way that they stayed honest to it showed his basketball prowess and his skill on the court versus his off court and kind of really combined those two to tell a really full story. Um, I felt like they really told a complete story of Rodman. I mean, obviously not a complete, but like a, a full story of who Rodman is um, both on and off the court and making it work with how that integrated into the Bulls versus his time with Detroit. Like, I, I just thought it was, it was just very beautiful storytelling and, and made me really, really excited. Uh, reignited, I think, a passion that a lot of us that saw Rodman play back then, I think it ignited, reignited a lot of the passion that we had for him. Definitely. Wells, what yeah, you Yeah, uh, kind of the same thoughts. Um, I thought that the way they portrayed Rodman was perfect. It was kind of, uh, you know, he had his 30 for 30 a couple months ago, and it was kind of, you know, kind of the same stories of that, but just going that um, I think the young, the younger crowd now gets to see, yeah, Dennis Robin looked crazy, like crazy and flamboyant and everything like that, but he was able to get that off because he was really good. And no other player was going to be able to say, yo, let me take a week off and go to Vegas 
if he's not putting up 15 rebounds a game, you know? And Would any other coach let that happen besides? No, absolutely not. Zero. And, and uh, the, my biggest point to that is I, I hope that people see when us old people talk about what it was like before social media and you oh. could do stuff like that. Like, you saw the video. Dennis Robin walked out after a game, chugged the beer, jumped on a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. That would be front page on TMZ. <laughs> that would be. I'm so yeah. happy you brought up the point of like before social media because. Yeah. This team would not have survived a month. I mean, imagine the Scotty Pippen stuff, like Scotty demands a trade. Like there was, he would be gone. I mean, the coach would be gone. The GM, everybody would have been gone. I mean, yeah. it, it's it yeah. was such a different time. Yeah, it was a different time. But I think that the you know the storyline um, has, has been great. Like you know Rodman, people don't realize because they only see he only averaged seven or eight points a game, but he was grabbing. 15, 16, 17 rebounds a game for consecutive years in his mid thirties. Like, and also I, I, I see like the, the young kids are seeing, you know, the fits that he was getting off. 100%. And they look like him now, <laughs> right? Yes. Like Kelly Oubre, yes. they all dress like Robin and people, people talk crazy about Robin back in the day, but like all these dudes look just like him right now. Dyed hair, crop tops, all that stuff. I saw a tweet that I loved um, on Sunday night, and it said that like Rodman was basically the instigator of so many things today. The uh, the fits, load management, was load management, hilarious. Oh, it's like he needed he needed a vacation. He admitted it, and Vegas was his vacation. But it's like I just love that. I thought you know again, I was so young, and when the Bulls era was going on, and I was a Bulls fan thanks mm-hmm. to my dad. But it's like looking back at it now, it's like. Could you imagine that team, like you said, Paul, in a social media generation? And then you think of, like, our players today that they do one little thing. I mean, even the physicality on the court, it's crazy oh. to me to see it. It's like the Jordan yeah. was basically like, okay, you go kill Jordan. And now it's like you think back to Lance Stevenson blowing in an ear. And it's like. Yeah, it's just. It's, I, yeah. It's so <laughs> yeah, it's, it's think, just different. Yeah. Think about what happened to Draymond yeah. Green when he. Maybe or maybe not kicked. I forget the player somewhere where you know. It's oh a, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it was like, hey, it kind of looked like he did it on purpose, but then another angle, it was like, no, nah, man, that's like a basketball play, and he was deemed a dirty player for the rest of the year. Like right. to your point, any one of these moves, or I should say, clotheslines that these dudes did, it's just insane to think about. Oh yeah. no, I mean at yeah. this point now, you know, there was a there was a play they showed where. Uh, Jordan went up to the middle. Isaiah grabbed him from behind the from behind his back and pulled him back, while Lambeer's pushing forearming him. And there was no flagrant. It was like barely a flagrant one. Same thing as like when they you know um, this wasn't the Bulls, but the the Lakers Celtics in '87 when Kurt Rambis went up and Kevin McHale literally clotheslined him. There was no technicals or no flagrants given. It was a hard foul. These guys now, if you hit. Think about, like, if you hit LeBron like that or you hit Giannis like that, it's five-game suspension. There's no way – there's no way it's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's handling like that. But, you know, I think that, you know, for the younger generation who didn't see Michael play, um, I think this is, like, a great education on what skill is, right? Like, they see the numbers, but you can see if this dude was averaging 37 points a game without shooting three-pointers and – you know, they, like James Harden before the season ended was at like 35, but he shoots like 14 three-pointers a game. Yeah. So it's it's a complete, you know, you know, it's a complete difference. But, you know, I'm glad that they're, um, you know, highlighting that. Definitely. And I think, too, it's cool for people to see, like, 
again, just this like competitive nature, no matter what. I mean, after the games now, it's like everybody's boys. They're going to go on vacation together in the off season. But it's like Michael still hates Isaiah Thomas. Like He was shaking. Like, you see that? Shaking. Yeah. And it's like people say that the league is soft. And as an avid basketball fan, I'm always going to be like, no, this is the greatest sport ever. But it's just I think that's what's cool to really take people back to say, okay, this is what you're talking about when you say this is what the league once was. So yeah, I'm super looking forward to the next couple episodes. We were saying before you all joined, um, going to be tough seeing Kobe, but he's yeah. definitely, you know, I, I'm not ready for that, but I am ready for that. So yeah, that's going to be a tough one. That's going to be a yeah. tough one for sure. It's going to be a tough one. So I'm super excited. Next hot take is what's up did we see today with Luka Doncic? Does he have his own version of the Air Jordan 1, or is this all just kind of hearsay getting mixed up into quarantine uh, rumors? <laughs> yeah, that was weird. It's like it's like uh, inspired. It's, it's inspired by his pregame is what I, is what I heard or, or, what, I've, or what I've read. Um, so, I mean, I mean, I, I, that's cool. I like that they're telling, you know, trying to tell stories outside of Michael and really engaging the new players that they're having on the Jordan brand staff. Um, I, I would love, I would have loved to know more about his pregame like ritual before the shoes came out. You know what I mean? I don't feel like that was a big, it has, it has been a big storyline or anybody's really talked about it. Or at least I haven't heard much about it. Um, so there's a bit of a disconnect for it for me. Um, and also I kind of feel like this is just, them trying to get something out early with Luca's name on it too, but you know, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, kind of same. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, it was supposed to be playoff time and, you know, new signee and, you know, I think it's just something to put his name on. Yeah. yeah. Um, switching gears, what are your guys, I was already making fun of Dom for enjoying actually going to 7-Eleven and I think the new move should be, we should stop eating at gas stations because now there's an argument, what's better, Wawa or 7-Eleven, but what are, your, what are your what are your what are your see everyone's got an opinion on it Wawa or 7-Eleven but what do you what's your take on the 7-Eleven dunk? Oh, I just saw it this morning. Um, I, yeah, probably not for me, but um, <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Maybe maybe a couple of years ago, yeah, but yeah, probably probably not. Yeah, uh, so I I'm not a skater. I mean, I I can ollie about that's about as good as it gets. So. A lot of the SB stories, they have to be a little more universal for them to connect with me. And, and, I, and I get the 7-Eleven reference. Um, like, we used to go to 7-Eleven after basketball practice every day. So, like I, I, like, I get it. So, I imagine, you know, skaters after a session would go to 7-Eleven as well. I think it's more about the execution than anything else. I just, it looks like, a, it seems like a, a pretty, uh, just a simple execution that, you know, not a lot of thought went into like, oh, we're going to do something with 7-Eleven. Let's just use the 7-Eleven color and the 7-Eleven logo. I would have loved for it to have, I don't, I don't know, just to be a little more thought out or a little more uh, deceptive or hidden. Or it just, it just seems overly obvious that it's 7-Eleven. And I think, I think that's the part that makes it that I think is kind of, kind of the turnoff for me. It's just, it's just so blatantly 7-Eleven yeah. as opposed to being like, these were inspired by 7-Eleven. So, yeah, so for instance, like, you remember a couple years ago, um, Bauhaus did a dunk, or they do a dunk or a blazer, I can't remember. Um, but, but it was like very subtle, it was like just blue, and it was inspired by the restaurant, and it was cool, but like, I'm not wearing 7-Eleven, like, at 37 years old on my foot, like, it's just not, Yeah. I try not to go there anyway, yeah. so, 
you know, to to wear it as a shoe, probably not. Yeah. yeah even like the like the Bauhaus two seventy React. Like yeah. That one. Exactly. Like that one was dope. It wasn't like this is Bauhaus. Like right. she feels like <laughs> I am seven <laughs> eleven. So. <laughs> It definitely is. And we'll get into this more, but it's like, I see this as definitely that like hype beast culture. Like everybody's going to cop yeah. their 7-Eleven dunks and think it's great. I'm like, will I get 7-Eleven coffee? Don't judge me. Yes, but I'm not going to wear those shoes. So um, one more quick like hot topic before we get into it. So Kanye is a billionaire because of Yeezys. Um, who was uh, Like <laughs> your, what are, what are your thoughts? Like, is would you have even expected this because my thing is like i am a kanye fan i don't support everything he does by any means um but i like the shoes when they first came out i have several pairs of yeezys recently the they've all just been getting worse and worse i feel like the latest rendition was absolute trash um but it's crazy that there's such a cult following behind it i mean what are your thoughts on that uh jock got this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jock look, look like uh like Michael Jordan when I when he brings up Isaiah. Your face. I I'm trying to like prod at you a little bit. <laughs> so um I I'm always um I, I appreciate Kanye. Don't get me wrong. I'm a fan of Kanye. I think he's dope. Uh, I love what he's done for the culture. Uh, let me say that. Um, just I I just really I really think he has definitely he's moved the needle for the culture in more ways than one. And he definitely deserves props for that. Um, I, but I also feel like Kanye has a tendency to flourish a little bit when it comes to his numbers. Um, and so I, I guess I kind of need to see something that says, like a little more concrete that says Kanye's a billionaire outside of Kanye telling me he's a billionaire mm -hmm. and Forbes telling me that Kanye's a billionaire. Um, I feel like, cause earlier prior to this like in the last time i think he did something for i think it was the wall street journal again before um they was like it, it was just like said that kanye had sold a billion dollars worth of shoes um and they compared it to jordan selling billions of shoes but it was like kanye sold a billion dollars worth of shoes over the last four years that he's been selling shoes Mm -hmm. And Jordan did like three billion worth of shoes this year, but the way they phrase it made it seem like it was pretty equivalent. So for for this, uh, and I, I haven't read the article, so I don't I don't know for sure, but I, I would maybe he's made a billion dollars off of Yeezys. Maybe that's what they're saying, as opposed to him being a billionaire. If that yeah. makes any sense, yeah. I don't know. off of evaluation. And it's like, what do we, that doesn't mean you're a billionaire. No, it's, it, it absolutely doesn't. Um, and I think that people hear the number, the billion, and then Kanye, where I knew that it was BS was when Kanye was on that video saying, or on the article saying, it's actually 3 billion. And I'm like, yeah. you don't go from one to 3 billion uh, overnight. Like you don't even go, yeah, you're not, yeah, no, it's not Amazon. Like you don't get to do that yeah. um so I, I think that yeah sure the shoe is very profitable but at the end of the day the, the most uh popular brand not brand but the version the 350 um is owned by adidas holy so unless kanye has a 400 percent to one you know uh, rate to you know to get paid on royalties then there's zero chance he could be a, a you know a billionaire i mean maybe 
350, 400 is seen, you know, more sounds better, but I don't think there's any way that, you know, liquid he's a billionaire. And yeah. he also complained yeah, like about this too, saying that like Forbes, I, I think it was to Forbes, he was complaining that they didn't give him credit. So it's like, it kind of, the way that this all led up to this announcement was like, yeah. Kanye, are you like trying to insert yourself in a place that you really aren't? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I would do that. Yeah, no, no, I think that's absolutely it. And I think that it, you know, when I also heard about like, you know, saying that he was competing with Jordan Brand, I'm like, okay, like, stop it. Like, you'll never, like, it, there just isn't the, the, the library to be able to do that. Like, Jordan Brand could just tomorrow be like, yo, you know what, we're dropping uh, black, red 11s, we're going to drop fours, we're going to drop uh, off whites, you know, Jordan ones, and we're going to make 400,000 pairs of them. Everybody now gets a pair at that type, like, there's a billion dollars right there. So, it, you know, there's, I think people, like I said, Kanye has like a cult following and people hear this and they just ran to the blogs like, Kanye's a billionaire, oh my God, oh my God, you know. Not that. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, Kanye, Kanye's good at what he does. He's good at marketing himself. Yep. Uh, he's, he's, he's good, he's good at inserting himself into the culture. And I think this is really his way of continuing the aspirational Kanye that we all fell in love with. Like mm -hmm. the Kanye that we first met and the Kanye that we first, you know, that, that everyone started that, you know, that, that hooked everybody was the college, college, college dropout. Yay. That was very aspirational. Wanted all these things, talked about all these things, like he had them and talked about the pursuit of getting all those things. And I think this is a, him kind of tapping into that, that ethos that, that we knew back then of being of the billionaire conversation. And I, 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 maybe he will become a billionaire. Like I, I don't question that. I think obviously Kanye's doing an amazing thing. Like there's, if his Yeezys continue to sell like they do, and if they go to a bigger market, like he plans for them to do and being GRs for a bigger public. And I'm sure he got a better royalty than he would have ever gotten with Nike when he went to Adidas. Like that all plays into the conversation and I'm sure he'll eventually get there, whether he's there now or not. I think that that's the part that's up for debate. Yeah, he likes putting himself, like we said, in these in these situations where it's like, if yeah. if you're not talking about Kanye, Kanye will find a way for you to talk about. Kanye. <laughs> I'm, all, yes. I'm all for the I'm all for the aspiration, right? Like, you know, I want to be six five, right? But I understand that you know it's not happening. Um, <laughs> but I like the aspirations of, of, yeah. of so yeah, it's fine. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's, uh, we'll jump into the first half. Want to give you both an opportunity to talk about, um, you know, how you first got interested in sneakers, how you broke into the industry, um, and all that stuff. So, Wells, uh, we'll start with you. You know, what, what was the first moment you knew you, you loved sneakers? And then, um, you know, how did you make a, a career out of it? Yeah, um, God, I want to say I was six years old. Oh, yeah. And, um, I saw a pair of Jordan fours and I like begged my parents for them. Cause I saw the, um, the commercial Jordan commercial. And I remember we were at like JC Penney or something like that. And I was like, Oh, I want those. I want those. At the time they were cheap. They were like 25, 30 bucks or something like that for a kid's kid size. And so from that point, I've just always loved sneakers. Luckily for me, my foot stopped growing when I was like in the ninth grade or so. So I've literally amassed, you know, hundreds of shoes that I haven't had to like, get rid of because my foot stopped growing. Um, so fa fast forward to college, um, I was bored in summer break, just bored at school. And I was like, you know, I may actually get a job. And 
there was a Nike town, like not far away. And I was like, all right, you know, I'll go in and check it out. Ended up getting started off in retail. Um, and so it was like part-time work. And then I was like, you know what? I think this is what I want to do. I was a, a political science marketing major. And so I was like, I think the marketing side is kind of what I want to do. So I just start the path. And um, years later, uh, you know, kind of worked my way up and you know, started doing like uh, brand retail stuff for Nike and events. Um, that's how I met Jock um, probably 10 years ago, if not longer. Uh, yeah. yeah, long time ago. Wait, time out. Before we, before we get there, Jock, you remember this? Oh, here we go. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I was yeah. able to, yeah, I was able to uh, kind of parlay that into. I want to dig into that. So, like, how do you specifically go from loving a sneaker, working in retail? Like, like you, like, how do you jump from retail to where you made your job? It's a lot of work, man. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of um, kind of putting yourself out there. Um, it's a lot of like disappointment of not getting things when you want to get them. Um, but it's just like, it's really a, a big lesson in perseverance, right? So it's, you know, that journey took me seven years about that to kind of break through. Um, and, but you know, I don't, I'm, I don't regret any second of it. Um, you know, I got to do a lot of cool things um, in retail. I got to do U.S. Opens where we get to basically run the uh, USTA Nike box for like six weeks. So I got to do that like three years in a row, which kind of like helped me get some some FaceTime with, you know, people that I would need to, you know, talk to down the line and making connections with people on campus in Beaverton and, um you know, just managing those relationships, right? And kind of just staying visible. Um, that's the, the key thing is, was just staying visible. Um, and then so, yeah, I want to say, yeah, I did that up until like 2012, 2013, and then, you know, switched, switched jobs, but still stayed in the mix. Um, so I'm a DJ. Uh, so I've, I've DJ Nike events for literally the last 10, 11 years. Um, and kind of just stay in the mix with everybody and, and, you know, helped out. A lot of times I'll get calls of like, hey, got a question about, you know, this shoe and what this is what we want to do with it. Do you have any insight? Um, and then, you know, kind of seeing those things come to fruition are, is, is pretty cool. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. What about you? Like, you went from probably loving sneakers when you were younger to then how did you get to being like the king of unboxing sneakers? <laughs> Ah, I wouldn't say I'm the king. I'm just one, of the, just one of the people that do it. One of the kings. Um, one, of, one of the kings. <laughs> um, my, my journey with sneakers just started through basketball. It was just one of those, like, looking up to the guys in my, in my neighborhood playing ball and literally wanting to be exactly like them from, like, what shorts they wear, what shirt they wore, uh, to what shoes they wore. Um, so, like, that's kind of where my fascination with basketball started because when you're a young kid and you see like the older kids in the neighborhood you see them dunking and going up and down the court you're like i want to be that they have this on this on mom can i have this this and that and the, generally the question answer was no but that's kind of where it started um so that you know from elementary all the way through high school just in love with basketball mostly and then you know some sneakers was involved as well but mostly basketball um got into college and really started to get more and more into sneakers and then uh fast forward uh some years in 2009 
I was in between jobs and I started writing for a sneaker website. And that kind of just really got me back into the world of sneakers, like really like dive deep into the world of sneakers. Cause I had to learn more and more about sneakers as you go on. Obviously, if you're a writer, you kind of really got to research everything and like find out everything across the board. So from there in 2010, I posted the first sneaker video um, for them. Um, I kind of wanted to be like a e-news reporter. And so I created like this e-news sort of like sneaker show called uh, Today in Sneaks, uh, the kicks of the week, sneak of the week, sneaks of the week, what was it? This Week in Sneaks, sorry. This Week in Sneaks. Um, so I did that for a few years, went to another publisher in 2013, me and that publisher uh, went our separate ways, I'll say. Um, and so I put up my first video on my, on my own channel, sneaker channel, uh, in February of 2013. And it's just kind of grown and grown since then to, to where it is now. That's awesome. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, I'm just happy that Jock still returns my text, man. He's like so famous. Oh, stop <laughs> it. Stop <laughs> it. Um, this one's for both of you, but um, want to get your thoughts on how the sneaker industry has changed for the better and worse since you've been in it. Oh, man. Um, we, can we can go better first. Better first? Um, I think better is the, the amount, of, um, uh, uh, amount of sneaker options that men and women both have. Um, I've, you know, I think years ago, there really wasn't a market for, um, you know, women's sneakers, women's Jordans, there was always a fight of like them trying to get the sizes and everything like that. Um, so I think that is a good for the better. I think also having somewhat of a brand parity is great. Um, like you can have the Nikes and the Jordans, but I think, you know, what like Puma's doing, what Adidas does with like with Yeezy, um, you know, and then having like the resurgence sometimes of you know, of Reebok and like other brands that come in. Um, I think that's good because it was such a dominated market, you know, for, for the better part of like when I started in 2004, which was um, pretty much Nike everything. Um, you know, Adidas just had the kind of the Stan Smiths going, really wasn't, they had, you know, because Derrick Rose was like five years before. So yeah, there really wasn't much of a basketball situation going on because the pro model kind of had phased out. So, um, you know, I would say like that would be, you know, for the better. And also like the, the collaborations um, that we get that aren't, that aren't just athlete and colorway, you know, we're getting like entertainers, artists, um, you know, into the space. Yeah, and I would say for me, the better thing is just how much, and it's really kind of building on what Wells is saying, how much sneakers has grown. Um, when I first, when I first started really digging into the world of sneakers in 2009, it was so niche. It was such a, it was such a thing of like, oh, you like sneakers? Like, that's mm -hmm. like, it was almost looked at like you were weird if you like sneakers. Almost like, you're like, oh, you read comic books? Like, like, like that kind of thing. And like, that's how people looked at sneakers. But now, like, if you read comics, like, that's almost kind of cool. Like, we all know who Thanos is now. Like, we, we all know Iron Man. We, we all know Black Panther. Like, we didn't all know that stuff five, 10 years ago. And so I feel like that's kind of what's happening with sneakers. Sneakers is at this point where it's grown that now it's okay to talk about an Air Max one or a Jordan one with somebody and they'll actually know what you're talking about. It, it won't be like that Jordan sneaker. Like, what do you, what, like, what is, I don't, what's an Air Max one? Like, I think, I feel like more people are indoctrinated into the world of sneakers now which has caused it to grow and become more of like a pop culture thing. And so you see the cool mom wearing a pair of Air Max 270s at the mall 
and you're like, okay, like, all right, okay, go push your stroller then. Okay, I see you. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a bigger thing now. And I, I appreciate that, you know, for, especially for me, where this is my job to talk about sneakers, for me to be able to talk to a larger audience and then expand on that audience and let them know that, yeah, we like sneakers, but we like other things too. We like, we like sports, we like technology, like we like politics. Like we're, we're regular people just like everybody else. Just like you like Thanos, I like Jordan 11s. Like it's, it's, a whole, it's a whole world out here. So for me, I think that's the best part of it. That's a, since I got into it, is seeing how much it's grown and how much it's expanded. Yeah, definitely. And with that, which leads into the next question, Wells, you and I talk about this a lot. We have had some long conversations, but like with that growing popularity, brings a whole new era of like sneaker culture with these limited releases and influencers and some influencers who may not really be sneakerheads. So I guess like, what are your thoughts on that? And how can the sneaker industry be better about that? Are we getting the shoes in the right people's hands or is it just going to people for clout? So I think that it's, it's comes down to a couple of things. It comes down to one, um, people that deem themselves influencers versus like actual influencers, right? So, and then the entitlement part. So, you know, for instance, like if you look at if Travis or Drake, say for instance, if Drake is wearing a limited Jordan, it doesn't influence me to wear it because he's probably wearing something that there's 500 pairs of and I'm probably not going to get it, right? If I see Jock wearing something or doing an unboxing or something, I'm more inclined to be like, oh, I'm going to check it out because he's actually, it's, it's obtainable of like, I can see it, I can feel it, like I can ask some questions about it. Um, so I think that like there's a hierarchy of what people deem influence and then what people see as like entitlement. Um, I think entitlement yeah. is a huge issue in the sneaker community. I see so many people who, who deem themselves influencers and feel like I spend X amount of money on Nikes and Jordans. Why do I have to wait in line? Why do I never win on sneakers? Why? And that's yeah. what I'm saying is like no matter who you think you are, like at the end of the day, like you're a consumer, right? Unless you're some like ultra celebrity, more than likely you're paying for your shoes, right? If you have, and, and so I always say this, Dom, the people who I see complain a lot, my, my thing always to them is why don't you, if all the, all the air you're spewing out here on social media about brands not respecting you, why don't you have the same relationship with your neighborhood sneaker store, right? Like blaming Nike for everything, Nike, I'm going to tell you this, at the end of the day, when it comes down to like a, a off-white shoe coming out, Nike has, Nike ain't going to do nothing for you. You call their customer service, they're going to be like, we don't know what you're talking about. Because they have right. relationships with the, with the sneaker store. So if you don't go to your sneaker store, if you don't go to your local undefeated, if you don't go to, you know, wherever to get your shoes and you bank on hitting everything on sneakers, you're going to be angry, right? So build relationships. Don't just go and buy the hot stuff. Like, be a sneakerhead if you're going to be a sneakerhead. Get your Air Maxes, get your Kobe's, get your LeBron. Like, I feel like those are things that, are, that people forget. And, those, and that's the, the, how the community of sneakerheads came up. It was like when we were, you know, outside at the, at the store waiting in line to get Jordans. And everybody just became friends. Everybody was talking to each other. Yeah. Everybody was, was cool. This stuff now, I, it's, it's crazy. Like these kids now, and I, I hate to sound like the get off my lawn guy, but the kids now, they, they just don't have that type of like one respect for each other and respect for the, for the stores and respect um, 
or entitlement. Like, it's just like, I have money, give it to me. That's, you know, what's been going on. So I know I went long-winded on that and I'll let Jock, you know, the wiser, the wiser of the two. Um, I, I agree a lot with what Wells said. Um, I, some of the, the best friends that I have today, I have met through sneakers. Um, so, so for me, like, that's kind of what sneakers represent. Um, but I also, and I, with, in that same token, I have to recognize that as sneakers get bigger and become a part of pop culture and become a signifier of cool, people that aren't necessarily endemic to that world are going to want to be seen as cool. And so they're going to want to adopt the ways of the cool. It's like, like anything else, like you're going to want to adopt what you see other people do that you want to be or that you think are cool. And so you see a lot of that with the, the, the influencers and, and people in social media that just, that just want to be seen as cool. And so those people are buying up the sneakers and those people are the ones spending all this money. And that's like fueling the reseller market and, and things like that. And, and that's not to say the reseller market didn't already exist back in the day because it was definitely there back in the day. It just wasn't as big of a focus in the culture because there weren't as many hands in the pot. And honestly, now that there are more hands in the pot, it makes it, it, makes it more difficult. So in, in, in one, in, in a sense, I, I appreciate the hardcore purist sneakerhead that keeps the culture right, that focuses on the details, that gets at Nike when they re-release a shoe and something's not the same and something's wrong. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I also feel like I need to embrace that new person that's just getting into it. And maybe they're getting into it because they saw Wells floss with a watch to throw on LeBron and, and now they want that watch to throw on LeBron. Um, and that's their first sneaker. But instead of, I feel like, chastising them and being like, oh, you're just a high beast. You just saw Wells with them, and that's why you got them. I feel like it's kind of, it's, it's, it's better for me to be like, oh, that's dope. What else do you like? And to kind of help them get ingrained into the culture and start to, sh to really have their personality come out to see what they like in the sneaker world. Um, because the sneaker world is more than just LeBron. It's more than just Nike. There's, there's New Balance. There's Asics. There's Adidas. There's Reebok. And you kind of, you see certain people, they get into it and, and they may start with just getting the hype stuff, but then they start to really show their own personality. Maybe they're big Pharrell fans and now they're just buying up the Hue and MDs now. So I, I feel like a lot of times we jump on those people early on, but I would rather we like engage them a little more and be like, okay, so like, what else do you like? Check out these Air Max Ones. These are, these are, these are really cool. And, and that's why like a lot of times with my, with my content, I try to, tell like the backstory behind a lot of these sneakers and tell a little more details and like give some designers some insight, like some designer insight and like all of those things that are relevant to the culture to hopefully better inform them about the shoes. So I guess all that to say, the expansion of the sneakers is the better part that I'm super excited about, but it's also the part that I think gives the sneaker culture the, the most problems. Definitely, I like has that. The, has the expansion part, because look, I'm. 30, so not old, but not young anymore, depending on who you talk to. Um, and I, I never had the guy, but my brother, who's five years older than me, would always get me my sneakers. And he had the guy. And I don't know who the hell the guy was to this mm -hmm. day, but there was yes. always a guy. And yes. has that just disappeared? Will we ever go back to a point where it's like, nah, I got a guy. Which sneaker do you want? And I'll get it. Oh, that's tough. It's, it depends. Right. So like I said, yeah. I think it goes back to, to, to relationships. I think yeah. if, you know, if you have the relationships with place, you know, with your neighborhood sneaker 
uh, store, they kind of know what you like, right? So you'll get a, and it might not even be for like something exclusive. It's like, yo, Paul, we got these, um, these Giannis's. Like, I know that you like such and such movie. Like, yo, do you want, you know, do you want them? Cool. Like, if, you know, we got them here in your size if you want them, right? Um, you know, and then once, like, I feel like, you know, you build those relationships and you don't really have to, not to say you don't have to call, but like you, you know, you guys are kind of one in accord, right? Like, so yeah, I don't think that that will ever die. Um, I think that people look at it like, oh, the places are backdooring shoes. I'm like, I don't look, I don't look at it like that. I look at it like whatever a store sells, whatever they want to sell, that's up to them. Right. And so you're still paying for the shoe. You're not getting it for free. You just have, the, it's the same thing as like sneakers, right? Like sneakers app. Jock always talks about how he never hits on sneakers app. I never hit on sneakers. I've probably hit on sneakers app five times in the last like five years. And so, and that's the thing. People think myself or Jock would just, can just be like, yo, all right, cool. I need, actually, you know, I need two of them and just hit a button and they deliver. <laughs> it's not like I that. Like, we go through the same thing as everybody else, right? So, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, I don't think that the guy will ever, you know, ever go away. And I don't think the store will ever go away because, you know, people got to, you know, people go down and, and get everything. It's not just the shoes that come out on Saturdays, you know, stuff that drops. Yeah, yeah. Not 100%. Like, I, I think the guy is, is, I think that guy represents a relationship. And yep. the, the sneakerheads of today need to establish that, that relationship of people that, that want the, the super exclusive or whatever it is. Like, you have to build build up to that to get to that relationship. It's not just going to happen overnight just because you go into a store and buy one pair of shoes. Like, you got to go in the store. You got to buy a pair of shoes. You got to actually talk to the cashier. You got to actually talk to the guy that's helping you, getting to know them. Like, talk to these people. Like, these these are people. And, like, just like in your own life, like, relationships make things happen. Like, everybody ain't your mom and daddy and just going to give you something. You got to work for some of this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Just one more thing on that. I feel like, especially now with, um, with social media, I, I feel like people don't realize that a lot of these stores that are maybe not in major cities where they're at sell the same stuff. So you can build with a relationship with those guys. And sometimes if they're, if they're able to, they can look out for you. Like I'll, like my dude, Joe at one in Kentucky, like that's my, my dude. And if I can't get something, like I'll hit Joe and be like, you guys still have me? Like, yeah, 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 we got it. We'll take care of you. And so, you know, having a relationship like Kentucky, like that's not even remotely close to, I've never even been to Kentucky before, but, you know, I've been able to like, you know, talk to dude over social media for the last, you know, 10 years or so. So it's like calling up one of your boys, you know? And so I, I think that people should utilize that more, right? Like don't go on, on Twitter and start, you know, talking bad about a certain store because your size was sold out. Like that's never going to help you because your face is attached to it. Most of the time you walk in the store, like, Oh, you're the guy. You're the guy that was, you know, no, we don't have, I, you, no, we don't have your size anymore. Like that, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, relationships, relationships are definitely very key. Yeah. Yep. Shout out to the local stores too. My, mine was Jimmy's <laughs> army and Navy in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Not a, nothing. Just a one store on main street and, but they had that stuff, though. They had what you needed. Yeah. Yeah. They'll yeah. take care of you. Always. Um, cool. Well, let's shift to basketball. We obviously want to talk about the relationship between basketball and sneakers. I think um, it's obvious that uh, these two things go hand in hand. But we want to talk about, in your opinion, like, 
what was the first year that sneakers and basketball players became synonymous, in your opinion? And, and what was some – you know, we all know Jordan, Jeez. but what were some of the early players that everybody was like, I need that sneaker? Like, damn, who is that? And, and I need to have it. Hmm. You may have to go back question. to the wall. No, yeah, I was going to think – I was going to say, if we take Jordan out of the equation – Yeah, take Jordan out. I think yeah, if you take Jordan out, for me, um, it was Penny Hardaway. So the penny, the, when the phone posit dropped, um, let me see, do I have it back here? This room. Get it. He's got to show it off. So this joint. So yeah. when the phone posit, so the University of Arizona wore them in the national championship game. And I remember being like, what the hell are those, right? And so nobody knew. There was no internet at the time to go and look up sneakers. Yep. So we had to wait um, about a month for the East Bay to come out. And I remember when the East Bay came out, it was $200. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's... So I asked my mom, and she was like, no. Like, it's just not. <laughs> um, but I would say, like, Penny Hardaway and Grant Hill in, like, 95, 96, like, those were the ones where, like, that was kind of the new yeah, generation. Yeah. Shaq, Shaq also. Um, but Shaq was, you know, such a, a bigger guy that, it, you know, it wasn't a shoe that, uh, that you wore out. Um, Maybe like Penny, Grant Hill, and Barkley would probably be like the, the early guys for me. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'll follow that up. Shaq, definitely. Um, and before him, because I'm from L.A., uh, it would have to be Magic and his cons. Like that was that was like a, a, a thing that I, didn't, I never got him, but I remember like the shoes being attached to Magic. Um, but then like the first time it was like it really made a difference, I think it was probably Shaq, like – Jack was probably like the guy, and then then like Penny and Grant, all of those guys definitely made it. And then Charles too, especially with like the Olympics, like around the Olympics with Charles, that was yeah, like a big thing. Yeah, too. and yeah. the Dream Team. So yeah, I was gonna say, I was just gonna say the Dream Team in '92. That was the time where um, I mean, Barkley had his shoe, Jordan had his shoe. David was David Robinson in a shoe at that time too. I think so. Maybe. But yeah, but like that was kind of like the showcase, like the first big showcase of like uh, of of shoes that people wanted that that were like, you know, SMU, like special makeups for a time. And so like before that, we never had Olympic specific shoes. We never had that at all. And so, you know, when the Jordan, uh, the Jordan seven with the the nine on the back, because it was the nine, like we never seen no Jordan, nothing without 23 on the back. And so yeah. to have it, yeah, to have the nine on the back was like, was, was super, super special. Um, so I would say that. And I think that um, if we go like new era, of course, the um, Vince Carter in 2000 with the, with the, uh, the shocks. Um, and, you know, I would say like the next one probably after that would be when, um, when the Kobe four dropped, I feel like everything kind of like shifted when that when that came out when the Kobe 4 dropped it was the first low top that was like on a SIG athlete and you know people were skeptical about it at first and um and then now I mean I feel like you can't find a non low top shoe so that was kind of a game changer yeah I like how you brought up uh the shocks too because um after that Olympics like the gold shocks like he could Vince could really wear those shoes in that Olympics with the dunk and then after that it's like people weren't even calling them BB4s it was this is the Vince Carter shoe yeah yeah so cool. and kind of leads me to my next question so Jock on your recent episode of Hardcast, I think it was you talked about how 
you wanted to do like a shoe versus kind of how these um, content or these producers are oh, on yeah, Instagram yeah. now. So like explain this a little bit and what shoes would you debate going head to head? I mean, would it be these shoes that we were just talking about? Yeah, it would be it would be the shoes we were just talking about because we were talking about what athletes could go against each other, obviously taking Jordan out of the equation. And so we were just trying to think of like basketball players that could go like signature athletes that could go against each other. And really the only ones that we thought really could do it would be like LeBron and Penny. Like they would probably be the only two that could really have that sort of signature sneaker battle, especially with like the special makeups and PEs. We feel like those were really the only two that could kind of have that, that versus battle. So it was just, just more like a, a, a thought exercise of like if we took the versus format and brought it to sneakers, how, how could we like expand on that? And yeah, I think, I think Brian and Kenny, unless, unless well, Wells probably knows maybe yeah, somebody else. I was going to say, I mean, I look at, if you say like Braun, I mean. What about Durant? No? The problem with Durant is that I feel like like Durant has has a great line, but they're more in the performance line, right? Like, yeah. like you don't see people wearing like Durants with jeans or sweats no. much. They're great you know, basketball sneakers. Though. It's a great basketball shoe, great basketball shoe. But yeah, I was yeah. look, I was like, like I said, the Kobe four for me, the Kobe six, um, you know. But then like the Bron for sure, like the Bron has like some, you know, like. For sure. Let me grab. Let me grab a couple things. Where does Kyrie stack up? Um, Kyrie's too new. He 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 doesn't have he doesn't have a long enough line. I think to really kind of enter that conversation. Not that he has that he doesn't have really dope shoes. Like yeah. he has like the like the cereal pack over here was like super crazy. But yeah. I just feel like he he's he's just too early on in order to kind of enter that like versus conversation. I mean, what yeah. about Reebok pumps? Why am I thinking like way far back? <laughs> well, the, so the pumps were like a, a transitional moment to get away from everything being so Jordan dominated. And so it was like, we can pump you up and make you jump higher and faster and all that. So it was a gimmick, right? Like, but it was one of the best gimmicks ever because they parlayed it not just into basketball, but they had runners, they had football, they had everything. And they even made it, but to me, People, I don't know if people remember, but it was actually somewhat dangerous because they went from the pump to the Insta pump. And so basically people were walking around with a, with a can of CO2 on a keychain to pump their shoes up. And Lord knows that's probably not the best thing that you want to do. Um, but no, the pump was, the pump was great. The D Brown joint. Um, the, uh, my favorite pump though was the, uh, the tennis one, the Michael Chang my one because the pump, the pump was a was a uh, like a tennis ball um but yeah but no i was gonna say back to the 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 like iconic stuff right like the south beach lebron kind of like took lebron's line up right like it was it yeah all the way up like i think from that point on it became like a a, a staple of you know for basketball but leisure wear too right because more, more yeah. I've never seen anybody wear these on a basketball court. Yeah. I don't think LeBron's ever even worn them on a basketball court. But summertime off court, go to. Same thing like with, with phone posits. Unless you're like you got ankles <laughs> Thanos, you're not wearing a phone posit on a basketball court. Like them joints that they don't look like they don't they don't <laughs> bend. Like you can't bend them, you know, like you where are you gonna where are you gonna go with that? So 
Um, but no, um, to answer Paul's question, I think Kyrie, like, like Jock was saying, he's a little early. Same thing with Paul George. Um, but I think, personally, I think Giannis is coming. I think Giannis, I think Giannis, they get it with, with his shoes. They, you know, they, they hit the one out of the park and we'll see what happens with the two. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, well, you, you mentioned something, and I forget this, the whole phrase, but you mentioned, um, like, transitioning. And mm-hmm. talk about, but for both of you guys, obviously, but talk about how Puma has basically come out of nowhere overnight and, like, the athletes that they specifically targeted and all of a sudden, you know, I, I live in New York, like, New York City kids – we're buying those Pumas. And I mean, I think the initial colorway was pretty crazy and they would rock them. If they had a blue Jersey, a green Jersey, a white Jersey, it didn't matter the Jersey color, they were rocking them. And I think that's like, when we look back, that's going to be one of the cooler like case studies. Yeah. In terms of how you just revamp an entire brand and make it cool to 15 year old kids in, in Brooklyn and the Bronx. No, a hundred percent. Like when, when they announced right before the draft two years ago that they were coming back, I was one of the ones who was like, that's never going to work. Nobody's going to wear a Puma. <laughs> because the last time I saw somebody wear a Puma was Vince Carter, like 20 years ago. Right. And so, and that was only for like a year. Yeah. Um, and so when they came back out, I was like, what are they doing? But then I saw who they were signing. They were doing like Marvin Bagley Jr. And, Kelly Oubre and you know I'm like okay this is a youth movement and so the kids now don't they're not as brand loyal as say like you know myself or Jock or someone else and you know older who's I've had the same shoes and same brand for 20 years I'm not I'm not going drastically to the left um, but I think that they made a great transition into like you're saying Paul into that market of kids right because if the kids are, you know, 15, 16 years old, they don't have any brand loyalty at that time. So why not build it with that segment? And so if kids see, uh, you know, a, a NBA draft pick, I think they got like three of the top four or five guys in one year. Um, yeah. you know, and then aligning themselves with, uh, with Jay-Z and, and Rock Nation. So now anybody that signs there pretty much gets a Puma contract I mean, they just signed the Ball Brothers, you know, officially yesterday. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see, you know, at least Melo or, or Lonzo in Pumas. Um, and again, they make. If I'm a if I'm a young kid in the NBA draft, and I'm looking for a brand, I would definitely look at Puma. Why? If I'm a kid, what do I want to? I want to be on a private jet. They give you access to a jet, right? Jay Z, who don't want to hang out? Who doesn't want to go to the Rock Nation brunch, right? Like those are all things that, that you get by signing to Puma, um, you know, and I'm pretty sure they get great creative control over, you know, the footwear yeah. coming, right? Like there's not, like they don't have 50 different styles. So. Yeah. yeah. And, and, I, and to build off of what Wells was saying, it's like the, the time that Puma came in was almost like the perfect time mm-hmm. to come in. Cause we went through this period like in the early 2010s where Nike was dominating everything. And it was just Nike, 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 and that's all you heard. And then it hit this point when Boost came out and Kanye transitioned to Adidas, where Adidas started to have a part of that conversation. But then Adidas started to fall off and it was kind of like, okay, Nike's here, Jordan's here, Adidas is here. So there was this space for Puma to just like insert themselves into the conversation. And they did a fantastic job of it. They spent they spent a ton of money to do it to get to get themselves in position. 
um, and they worked with like really the right people that are right in that that are in the culture that are growing, um, especially with basketball. Like it's it was literally like they couldn't have planned a perfect a more perfect time to come out than when they did because the there there was no clear distinct winner in the sneaker world at that time. So for them to be able to to, to raise their hand and be like, hey, we're over here too, people were like, oh, okay, cool. And, and like Wells was saying, like that generation that grew up, if they're 15, 16 year old, 16 years old right now, like that's when you really start to develop who you really are and what the brands that you like. And if you've seen this, okay, Nike was cool when I was like 10. Yeah, Nike was cool when I was 10. And then like, oh, Adidas was cool when I was 13, when I was in junior high, and now you're in high school, and you're kind of like trying to develop who you are. There's this opportunity for you to be like, oh, Puma, Pumas is the way. Like, oh, you're not on the Puma rock? Oh, okay. Oh, no, you can wear Nikes. Like, everybody else wears Nikes. Puma's the way. Like, there's that opportunity for that. And I think they embrace that, and the kids embrace that as well. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at the kids, you know, kids look up to, um, you know, like Kyle Kuzma, right? Like, you know, meteoric rise. And him leaving Nike was, was surprising, but I get it, right? Like, you know, dude's in a big market and he's able to, you know, be the face of a, of a, of a entire brand in a huge market. You don't rarely ever get that, um, you know, from, you know, a guy who's like pretty much a six man. But the second he yeah. signed, there was Kuzmania billboards all over the city, yeah. you know, yeah. like, you don't get that usually as the sixth man on any team, but like you're, you're a Laker and the brand is putting money behind you to say that they're serious. They're serious about the market. So, yeah. yeah. And do you think, so this leads me to the next question, like Draymond recently signed with Converse. Like, are we going to see a resurgence of that? And do we see Converse kind of be another similar brand like Puma where we'll start seeing more, guys flock to that versus, you know, what we normally thought with Nike and Adidas? I think so. Um, I think that maybe Draymond doesn't push a needle, but Kelly Oubre pushes the needle for those those kids. And so I think that you'll see more guys. They'll sign more guys for sure. Um, but I think that, like, Draymond's a great uh, endorser for them. And, you know, kind of the styles they've had, you know, the classic one that they had back in, like, the late 90s, uh, the one they kind of made like a basketball version of the, the Chuck High, um, you know, but kind of making that, but making it cooler. Um, you know, I can see people wearing it. Like I saw a couple people wearing them when they were, when they were playing. They said they were really comfortable. Um, Jock, have you tried them out? Yeah. I haven't tried, I haven't played in them yet. I've just like worn them just casually. Um, but I think I, same as Puma, I think Converse is in a really unique position and Converse is almost in a better position because they have like access to like the Nike stable of technology mm -hmm. and patents and performance. Mm -hmm. But then they also have like their own heritage and legacy behind them. So yeah. they're in a really unique position to kind of to kind of rise up as well. Um, I think they 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 often play it really safe and really rely on their legacy a lot. And um, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the path that they need to take forward, especially if they want to capture a new audience. That's great for, for the older generation that recognizes what an all-star looks like and, and is, has always loved the, the look of that silhouette. So something new with that look is great. Um, but I think the opportunity is for them to really do something new and different, tapping into the, 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 the history and the performance of Nike and then using their own history and heritage and bringing that together to create a story with these new guys that are in the NBA with Kelly and really creating something unique for Draymond and letting them push the needle. 
Um, I think there's an opportunity there, but they, Converse just has to really step out and, and really take that risk uh, as opposed to playing it safe, which is something that they typically do. Yeah, I'm excited to see how Converse specifically rolls this out because you think of like Dr. J and way back in the day, like, you know, it's hard to really think of like somebody playing in a Converse basketball. I mean, like D Wade was like the last kind of guy, right? Like, yep. yeah, yeah. D, -Wade, D Wade was like the last guy. And, and at that point, we were just talking about that, I think the other day about like the, the silhouette of that shoe like was so bulky and big and so now everything being so streamlined like for a chuck you know wonder i mean interested to see how they how they pull it off for the second generation yeah yeah thank you for that yeah so we're gonna wrap it up with a couple just like quick hits so we'll ask a question and okay. then both of you will answer we'll see if the audience has any and this has just been an awesome conversation so yeah. for both of you what's the best sneaker to hoop in go go jock when we start, yeah, uh, I still I still think the best it's it's old, but the Jordan twenty eight, uh, I still love playing in the twenty eight. Like that's my that's my favorite to this day. I've played in newer stuff, but I still I still love it. Um, I'm gonna go with the Kobe four. Um, that that shoe is, is just great to, to play in this life. It was just like wearing a running shoe. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, next one. If you could d design a sneaker for any athlete, who would it be? Paul George, he needs help. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and that's not even like, I, it's more in the sense of like, if you have a, you know, what they did with the, the PG-1, right? PG-1 was like one of the best debuts ever. And I think that like, it, you have to bring out, um, you know, the personality of the athlete, but then kind of keep this, the shoe um, cutting edge, right? Like it, you can't go from one to three and like just kind of miss the mark on it. But yeah, I would, I would definitely want to do like a, a Paul George would be dope. Uh, I'm gonna go a little off the beaten path here and go with uh, Uli Kipchoge, uh, just cause I've been running a lot and I've really gotten into running a lot. So I would love to see uh, brands invest in some like really dope silhouettes for like their runners. So yeah. I think I think that's the direction I would go. Nice. That's cool. All right, what NBA player specifically has the best sneaker collection? Is it PJ? Is it others? Yeah. The best collection? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, like, I, I, I kind of feel like it's PJ. In their, in their sneaker room, like you guys. Yeah. Have so are we saying team. like current or, or forever? Like, forever? Oh, yeah, that's a good, that's good too. Because like as a, like as a collection, like Mike Bibby has an insane. I was gonna, yeah, I was going to say Bibby. Mike Bibby has an insane, he's a warehouse. Like it, yeah. his collection is crazy. And he has so many player exclusives that nobody's ever seen. Um, yeah, I would probably, I would probably go with Bibby and then, you know, current, of course, like PJ is, is on a different planet. Yeah. Both in agree, Bibby? You guys agree? It's Bibby. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Bibby. Yeah, sure. PJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, Bibby and PJ. Uh, what NBA player would you like to have a signature to that doesn't? Hmm. Ooh, player that doesn't have a sig. Um... Man, I'd probably go with. God, I'm trying to think. It's 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 so hard to. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, question. I feel like everybody. I feel like all the all the people have, uh, you know, all the the top players have a shoe. So if I was to go second tier player, I'd probably say. Oh man, that's a good question. Yeah, that's a. You can send I'm your. I don't know why, but tweet it. 
Yeah. yeah. I don't know why, for some reason, like a second tier guy, um, I don't know why Patrick Beverly's jumping into my head, but. Yeah, he's some black Air Force Ones, man. <laughs> All black Air Force Ones with, with, uh, with some like chain laces or something like that. Drew yeah. Ruiz said John Morant. Cough, John Morant. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah Doug. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you yeah, know what? Yeah, yeah. You know what? I did say job because I'm pretty sure Jaw's going to get a shoe in the next year or so. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure he's going to get a shoe. Um, dang, I was, you know what? I'm going to go and say, I would love to see a, I would love to see an Anthony Davis shoe. I don't know what that would even entail because he wears yeah. coats all the time. Um, somebody said Trey Young. Trey Young's, uh, Young's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Uh, uh, and we'll going back to, to our sneaker collection, I just am polling our audience. Julie said that Andre Iguodala has a crazy. Oh, yeah. Drake, yeah, he has a sick. A oh, sick yeah. Collection. But he's like so low key about it. That's like we, you know, yeah. But he has a, he has a sick collection. Yeah. All right. Last question before we go to the audience. And then you guys also both have to like show us your situations right now because you have yeah. more views than any of us. But what advice would you have for people looking to like get involved in the sneaker world, whether it be work or just like become more of a sneakerhead? Um, let's hear it from, from the two experts. So. Um, I'll start because so, Jock knows this way better than I do. So I'll just... <laughs> my opinion um i think the main thing is is uh like i said manufacturing and and you know taking care of your relationships being a um being a sponge listening listening to what people have to say who know what they're talking about um you don't have to be a know-it-all all the time um nobody's really judging you based on people judge you more on when you say something that makes absolutely no sense than you know something that makes a little bit of sense right um, and I think being like humble, right? Like understanding that like there's a lot of people that, that have come before you in sneakers and it's not about rushing into it. You can't expect everything to fall into your lap just because yeah. you might know, you know, the history of shoes or whatever like that. It, it just doesn't happen like that. Um, but it's, you know, be nice to people, be, ask people questions. Like, I, you know, I tell people all the time, like, reach out to jock if you have a question about something like he's a nice dude like i think people look at oh my god they're so so high up here like they're just going to be jerks and it's like no that's not what people are like they're here to help people and somebody helped them so it's just passing passing it along yeah and, and i would say everything that well said but also just be who you are and not yeah. try to be somebody else um i think it's i think that's probably one of the most important things about just being a social media person or influencer or whatever it is you wish to be at all is just being who you are because that's what's going to make you different and that's what people are going to be attracted to like there's already a Jacques I'm, I'm already I, I already bore you to death we don't need somebody else trying to be Jacques boring you to death as well like just be who you are and create your own personality and I think people are attracted to that um, and people relate to you being who you are as opposed to when they see you trying to be someone else yeah 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 Appreciate that and appreciate both of you. This has been so fun. Yes, um, before we close, we have a couple questions from the audience. So Mark wants to know, what sneaker that hasn't been brought back that you would like to see retro? Oh man, um, the Air Jet Flight that Steve Nash used to wear back in the day. I wish that would come back. 
Um, I wish the um, they would redo they they redone the the Zoom ninety five, but um, I wish they would come back with the Penny ones again. Uh, maybe even like a Penny one Pro Tro or Penny two Pro Tro because they were really good. Uh, um, that's about it. Think of, yeah. Yeah. I, I would love to see like a, a nice high quality Air Max 93. Every time mm -hmm. they, they bring back the Air Max 93, I feel like the leather that they're using is just mm -hmm. plastic almost and it's just terrible. And I buy them every time and I just, just <laughs> I'm just filled with disappointment. Um, and then the other one that I wanted to come back I already came, well, kind of came back is like the Air Raid. Like I remember yeah. that as a kid and like I just thought that was just such a cool shoe. Um, and so they kind of they kind of already brought that back. So like that would that would be the only one like from my from when I was younger. I was like, man, that's such a cool shoe. Yeah, nice. Uh, okay. Video so people can hear that and maybe you know re-release some of the. <laughs> oh, yeah. there you go. Um, next question we had was, how have the rise of platforms that give sneaker fans easy access to the shoes like StockX and Discord affected your views on sneaker culture? How do you feel about buying just to flip? Um, look, it's, it's, it's people want to do, if you spend your money on your shoe, you can do whatever you want with it. It doesn't bother me one bit yeah. at all. Um, I think it's all like Jock said earlier, resale market has always been there. It just wasn't as easy as it is now. Um, before it was Craigslist and eBay. And, you know, I'm glad that these, you know, platforms have come up because one, um, it's safer um you know people were getting yeah. shot and robbed for shoes and you know or people would you know come up and not have all the money and then you know but you know these are before the you know venmo time so you have to literally do uh, cash transactions in shady parts of the city to you know to get some shoes or take the risk of ebay because there wasn't um the, you know the securities weren't in place then so it's a lot of times people would be like oh send me the money first I'll send you the yeah, shoe probably. and you'll never get the shoe. So I think that, you know, these the platforms now are perfectly fine. Of course they have their flaws, uh, big flaws, but like, you know, I think over time they'll, they'll get it figured out. Yeah. I would say Wells nailed, nailed, nailed it. That's, that's pretty much my same thoughts as well. Yeah. Awesome. The last question we have, um, Zach said, just saw the Air Max 270 golf shoes. Do you see more of brands oh. best styles getting converted to golf shoes? Such as the Eleven Lows, Puma RGs, etc. Uh, for me, I, I love that. I, I yeah. like I've I've been pressing all of the brands uh, for their their golf divisions to add a little bit of quote unquote cool to it. Mm -hmm. um, golf is obviously such a hard area to break into because it's so traditional in the way that they approach the game and the way that they approach fashion. So you start, but you're starting to see some cracks in the armor, which I'm really excited about. Really, obviously, I'm super happy about the way Jordan brand has been approaching it with all of their, all of their shoes. Yeah, yeah. So like, like that's the five. Like, like it's just, so yeah, like that's, to me, that's yeah. so, so dope. And I really want all the other brands to really step into that. Like Adidas, Adidas Golf, they have an opportunity to do it. Like they, they're playing with it though. Like. They're, they're like stepping in and stepping out, stepping in it. Like they need to fully just kind of dedicate to it. And I think people would be really excited about it. But Adidas Golf has just been, they've been hesitant to go all in. And, and I, I think obviously that has to do with 
the people that are over those divisions are, are, are probably a little more mature and, and focus on the tradition of things and don't see the benefit of adding the, the, the a cool sneaker to the game. And I, I, I think Tony Finau, I mean, not Tony Finau, uh, Brooks, when Brooks right. Kepka wore, wore the off-white, mm-hmm. like, that changed the game. That, that mm-hmm. literally changed the entire focus of, of people in the golf world. Uh, like I had a meeting at the PGA Tour office and like they kept bringing that up like because it was such a moment that the higher ups it like it turned on like it turned on the lights and the higher ups like oh maybe this maybe that is a thing that we should be you know at showing some love to that yeah, was like, it's, it's fashion bro like it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah no but, like yeah. that that changed the dynamic of it and i think opened up that world so you'll start to see i think you'll start to see more brands embracing the culture side of sneakers into golf and seeing that kind of stuff on the course. And, and, and even more than that, you'll start seeing the publications cover it now um, because, because there's been guys wearing like crazy J golf shoes on, on the course, but the publications weren't showing it because they, they didn't think it mattered. But now I think that conversation has changed. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I think that like what Nike's done over the last like four or five years of, making, you know, Air Max Ones and, you know, making, um, you know, just random fly knits and stuff like that, making them golf shoes yeah. has totally changed the game of it. Like if I would say two, three years ago, if you went to the uh, employee store in Portland, there was like just the old man Tiger Woods shoes, like, or just the basic joint. Jockey, you've been there recently. It's now like yeah. Air Max, fly knits, Jordans, like rack, like rows of them. Because the younger people are starting to, you know, be like, okay, now I can go and get those and be cool. I don't want to look like my dad, you know, like I want to look, yeah. you know, I want to look cool. And so if you, even the clothing now is more, uh, there's joggers, there's, you know, the, the best yeah. ones that get cooler, like, you know, the jackets aren't, you know, super baggy. Like you're not looking like you're going to church. Like you're looking like you're going to play 18 and then go to brunch after, right? Like you can transition. Yeah. Really, yeah. I like that. Yeah, that's different. Going to play 18 and then brunch after. Yeah, I can't right wait to all do that. That's a good way to wrap up, too. Like, the, just the power of sneakers. Like, if you think about Ricky Fowler, like, mm-hmm. this dude came and made an absolute fashion statement by wearing all orange. Mm-hmm. And yeah, people talked about it, and it was a big deal, but the Brooks thing was so much bigger because mm-hmm. it was sneakers. Oh, yeah, huge, First, yeah just yeah that's kind of funny and quirky and oh yeah that's the dude with the long hair that wears colors like mm-hmm. cool but this dude wore off white and the old white dudes who had they couldn't fathom it they were like what is this why are yeah. we sneakers he shot two over today like they didn't know what to th- it was it was yeah. a whole ordeal yeah, yeah. It, 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 it also it also goes into it because brooks was winning mm-hmm. and i think that that plays into it as well uh, like Ricky, like as dope as Ricky is, like he, he, he hasn't been winning or he wasn't even like winning back then. Like he's won a couple here and there, but Brooks, I think Brooks was number one at the time or something like that. And so like that, that definitely plays into the conversation as well. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And it's like kind of to, again, close this more. We talked about Dennis Rodman and we think about how just fashion with basketball players, it's like they have turned the tunnel into a runway. And you think back to when the dress code was instituted and how they creatively use themselves <laughs> as their own marketing power to change that. And it's like, 
there still is a dress code. It's just not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> people don't adhere to it. So I think it's just so crazy that this all did start with like sneakers and just athletes expressing themselves. So that's why we were so excited to have both of you on to the huddle to just kind of explore this a little bit more. So thank you both so much for taking yeah, time. Yeah, pleasure. Um, please join thank us. Thank you for having me. Too. Yeah. yeah, this was great. We really appreciate it. I hope everybody tunes in next week. We have uh, Brian Oringer on. He was uh, worked in the NBA for about eight years with three teams and he was a scout and, um, you know, basketball guy. So he's going to come on and, and break down some plays and, and talk hoops. But uh, like, sure. thank you guys so much for coming on. Yeah, really thanks for having us. And, um, you know, stay safe, stay healthy. And uh, yeah, cheers. Cheers, guys. Cheers. 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 Let's go binge on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, is, wait, Dom, is that, is that Ziggy behind you? Yeah, Ziggy. Where, Ziggy, come on. Ziggy! Oh, like, what the heck are you doing? Earlier, I saw him chew. He actually was chewing a pair of Yeezys earlier. I was like, mm, if you were another pair, I would let you, but. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. No, nice. yeah, thanks guys so much. Yeah, take care. I'll see you guys. Thanks, guys. All right, bye. Thanks.